0: What's going on everybody? Welcome back to the Core Consult Rx podcast. Cole and I have another student with us today. Kalen, what's up?
1: Hey guys, what's up? How's it going? Pretty good.
2: Almost done with my rotation, right?
1: Um done it. today.
2: This is the this oh. is the closing. This is the oh. first time
0: we've done this ceremonial closing yeah. on the podcast.
2: Ah, wow. Yeah. So you're gonna give her a final eval on the podcast? I, ooh. Ooh. I you guys are not ready for that. I might Sti- leave. <laughs> stick around for the post credits. Let's just
0: say let's just say my evaluations are Brutal. <laughs> I take the schools evaluations and I just amp them up a hundred percent. I never give above a three. Right, three wow. out of five. Yeah, yeah, they
2: uh you know, the pass fail. Mike, yeah, Mike do not do that. I give grades. You give grades. Oh wow. I
0: override that and go. This is the grade I want. This on the transcript, or I'll never preset for you again. The school's like okay. <laughs> so, Kaylin, just get ready for that. Um, oh, perfect. Listen, you're sitting at a solid C plus right now, so don't even sweat it.
1: Okay, sweet. <laughs> yeah. I- see, C's, I mean- get,
0: C's get degrees. Just kidding.
1: What are they call The last person in your
0: class? Doctor. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's, what I, that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, just totally kidding. Kaylin's um, been putting up a meal all month, so it's been good. She's uh, got to travel around to different clinics, and it's kind of a we had a couple slower times, but she got to see a little bit of everything. So, did you have fun, Caitlin? Did I you,
1: had a blast. Right
0: on. We'll ask you again tomorrow. <laughs> 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 no. Um, so, we've we, uh, had you listened to the podcast before being on the rotation?
1: Not before I just knew about it.
0: So wait, wait a minute. So you knew about it, and you were mm.
1: like, "Nah, not for me." Is correct?
2: I'm, oh, okay. <laughs> go ahead and jot that down. <laughs> part, the best part. The best part for me is when somebody has kind of heard about it, or maybe even they've listened to it, and they're like, "Oh, you're you're the guy on the the podcast." The the con the console. Po- I'm like, yeah yeah, 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 it's okay. You're not gonna get the name. Don't worry. It does, it's not
0: a real word that exists in English. So <laughs> the get, console
2: podcast. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yep, the, the
0: guy console. who named it didn't think things through.
1: <laughs> well, every time I like show people like the core console podcast episodes, they're like, "Who is this guy? Like, what? Who is that?" And I'm like, "Just, the, oh, other guy. Guy. just mis- the other guy. He's another guy. Just
0: another guy." S- somebody really did write that though. Like, because uh, he sent me a screenshot of his phone, um, and they said that. Uh, um, they were like, "Oh, yeah, I heard you on that core console." And they're like, "By the way, like who is like who's the guy?" <laughs> it was.
2: I was like, "There's two of us." If you've listened to the podcast, first of all, our voices just sound that similar. I guess, but and it's Mike has just been talking to himself the whole time. This was kind that be weird. A back and forth, spooky. With I changed my voice slightly. <laughs>
0: remember when that happened to you on rotation with me when you were on my rotation?
2: My voice changed. No, no, no,
0: not you. The patient.
2: Remember. Uh, oh yes, I do. When like the person I thought had split personality because they started talking like completely differently as I was talking to them. Yeah, like the voice changed. Amidst, I, yeah, you were, that's crazy. You oh, got, that was so weird. You
0: got off the phone. You go uh, because something the, really weird. The just rational
2: happened. explanation was that I the phone had been abruptly handed from husband to wife. But I was very confident that's not what happened. I was sure I was talking to the same person, but they started just talking completely differently. It may have been like using a fake voice just to like throw off the telemarketer. I don't know what the point would have been. We were having they knew I was. We were having a regular conversation about his meds. And then it just changed, right? <laughs> and the, then it just it went from a female voice to a male voice. And it voice? wasn't like the person started talking about their husband. They were still saying like me, I, whatnot. Then it was but, just, yeah you, you looked. you just turned around and you're so sitting confused.
0: there and i'm looking at it like what happened you go uh something really weird <laughs> <laughs> i was like okay let's not call that person again <laughs> but so kaylin what's up what's, what are you doing next month
1: i am going to charlotte and i'll be at the va
0: nice um and you've worked at the va here too right
1: yes i have
0: nice um am care
1: yes it's an am care next month
0: um is it all uh, outpatient am care stuff or are you gonna be doing any inpatient at all
1: I don't think there's any inpatient. It's just primary care.
0: That's cool. Um, so what's the plan after graduation?
1: Residency, hopefully.
0: You got any places in mind so far?
1: Yes. My number one program is VCU. Nice. And they're a little small independent pharmacy. And that's what like where I'm staring my interest towards.
0: Nice. And you can talk louder. It's okay. <gasps> Sorry, I'm yeah? like whispering. I know. <laughs> it sounds loud in your headphones, but I promise you're good. Um, no, that's cool So um, that's your top spot And then do you want to do Amcare when you get out Or
2: do you know what you want?
1: Yes, 100% I've Amcare? been I've been inspired by Amcare since P2 year so. Nice
2: Oh, so was it wasn't Mike this month that inspired you?
1: No, I mean that was With like probably the anti-inspiration
2: <laughs> Whoa <laughs> Getting... Your eval hasn't happened yet Oh man,
0: <laughs> that's, that, that grade is plummeting <laughs> No, <Nah>, respect <sighs> It's a free country in here <laughs> It was free,
1: James Starratt who free, inspired me. All right. Oh. Well,
0: we'll let that pass. That's, that's, our, that's our boy. <laughs> so, no, that's good. Um, so, uh, happy to have you on the show finally. Hopefully, now you can tell everybody how awesome it is instead of just not listening to it after you hear about it. So <laughs> exactly. That's, yeah, no, yeah. That's no. good. Now that we have started. We can start to rebuild the relationship. <laughs> but uh, today, we are going to be talking about obesity and uh, drug treatment options. Uh, we have done this once in the past, but it's been quite a while. It's been a long time. Few new drug options on the market recently, and so we'd kind of at least touch on some of those, and and uh, yeah, break it down a little bit. Yeah. So um, obviously, with dealing with obesity is, is a complex issue because there's there's the you know um, psychological portion. Potentially, there is you know the willingness on the patient's part to want to do things like lifestyle changes, you know, exercising and diet and all that. Um, And then there's also the physiological um, component as well. If somebody has, you know, certain uh, medical conditions or certain things that could obviously uh, increase their chances of gaining weight, um, those are all kind of factors. And it's also something obviously that can, you know, lead to, you know, behavioral health issues, whether it's depression or anxiety, it can lead obviously to, you know, a lot of issues from endocrine, problem, metabolic syndrome, you know, cardiovascular issues. And so it's always something that we kind of bring up. And then, you know, the patients which usually yeah, we just encourage exercise and diet and things like that. Um, but there are those patients who we do genuinely kind of need, you know, treatment options for, um, and you know, we had very limited options, um, several years ago, we were kind of stuck with a couple of medications that had pretty gnarly side effects. And so now we got a little bit better options, but, um, You know, we'll talk about uh, the newest kid on the block as well, which I'm sure a lot of you have heard of already, but we'll kind of save that um, for the end. Yeah. But, um, yeah.
2: And, um, uh, and, I mean, it is definitely comorbid with a lot of things. So, it's been in the forefront in the last couple of years because of COVID and the increased risk. Um, Some, a little bit more background. So... uh, Obesity has been on the rise, of course. So in 1997, uh, the rate of obesity in US individuals 20 years or older was about 19%, 19 to 20%. In 2017, it had risen to 31%. Um, Uh, You know, a lot of people will point to things like reclassification of how they determine who is obese and who's not. And there's a lot of controversy around that and whatnot. Um, The current recommendations, if you're looking from a World Health Organization perspective, is all BMI based. Uh, So a BMI of 25 to 30 would be overweight or as they say, grade one overweight, uh, BMI of 30 to 39 would be obese, which is what we're mainly talking about here, which they would call grade two overweight. And then over 40 is uh, morbid obesity or severe obesity, and they might call that grade three overweight. People have poked holes in the BMI uh, situation, uh, considering you know a very regular looking person um, who might even seem reasonably fit could fall into the overweight category depending on muscle mass and that sort of thing. Uh, but as far as obesity goes and it being comorbid and high risk for certain things, that is that is regardless of... of uh, of physique that's still associated if they're in that 30 to 39 range still associated with higher risk of certain things. Uh, Other ways that some say it should be classified would be based on body fat percentage. Um, So with, uh, for example, with a man, a body fat percentage greater than 25% would be uh, obese. And then for a female body fat percentage greater than 33% would be considered obese. So some feel like that might be a little more accurate, um, but for now, BMI is the main thing. Did you know that back in 2016, the uh, American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists and the American College of Endocrinology wanted a new name for obesity? No. Yeah. So it's abbreviated ABCD. Oh, boy. And it's it's uh, adiposity-based chronic disease. And that's how you say it. Adiposity-based chronic disease. They didn't mean for this to replace the term obesity, but, uh, quote, um, instead they want it to be a means of the medical community to focus on the pathophysiologic impact of excess weight by calling it adiposity. I, I can't think of another way to say that. Adiposity. I think adiposity is probably right. Sounds, sounds like a, sounds good. Sounds like a band name, but adiposity-based <laughs> chronic disease. Interesting. We're starting to band name didn't, called adiposity. <laughs> <laughs> we have to get obese while we do it. Didn't, uh, <laughs> doesn't seem like it caught on, though, because I've never heard that. Yeah,
0: I've never heard that term either. They always got to make things harder to say. Why is that? We went from obesity
2: to literally four different words. Too
0: many words. Too many words. That's getting coggy.
2: I get no. that it emphasizes. The, no, you like that term?
1: Because, you know, patients will feel better because they right. won't know what it's about. Right. <laughs> but then, of course, but then I have to but say.
2: But then it. Here's, here's the spiral, right? Because then eventually ABCD or at this term is going to have a, a stigma and then people won't want to learn their ABCs and oh. it's just going to cause all sorts of educational. Anyway. Right. And think about the right. children. Think about the children. Oh, yeah. think about the children. Sorry. Think about
0: the children. come on. <sighs> Sorry, guys, Listening, it's just Kalen's out of control over here.
2: But I understand that it it focuses on the adipose uh, feature, which, of course, as far as just a little bit of patho, we'll talk about probably a little bit more related to the drugs, Um, but it's all about, as far as uh, fat cells go, it's all about the uh, the adipocyte. So it's uh, the cellular basis for obesity. Uh, It might increase in size or number in people who are obese, Um, uh, You can have um, hypertrophic obesity versus hypercellular obesity. Hypertrophic is characterized by enlarged fat cells, uh, typically of uh, like android abdominal obesity, whereas hypercellular obesity is a little more variable, but it usually occurs in people who develop obesity in childhood or adolescence. um, And usually in patients who are severely obese, they're going to have the hypercellular. Uh, but the 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 A B C D thing definitely puts a little more highlight on the adipose aspect, and it's
0: also kind of and we'll talk about the uh, the one of the newer medications uh, that's on the market now. But there's also there can be a genetic component too, where maybe you're missing certain um, like like leptin receptors or things like that that do are not working properly or not there and to to respond you know to these neuropeptides and things like that that can or hormones that can basically um, signal. Know, patients' hunger levels or, or satiety, you know, and whatnot. So um, we'll talk. There's a medication now that's approved that we'll talk about towards the end that uh, is specifically approved in that genetic, um, deficiency situation. So it's kind of cool.
2: Right. So that, and other factors, which we'll talk about, but a lot of these, um, it's not just the patient being overweight. It's that the adipocyte produces pro-inflammatory mediators, pro-inflammatory, um, products, essentially, uh, like tumor necrosis factor, interleukin six, uh, MCP one and various others. And that's some of the target of, of some of the meds and some of the newer meds too to, to help with the, um, uh, the ultimate comorbid issues that you have from being obese,
0: because I think that's the the issue too. That you know, when we talk about this with patients, it's not a cosmetic thing or anything like that. Right. Or and there's that you know, obviously we would never want someone to feel you know bad um, or or just cause them to have any kind of like feelings of depression or anything like that because of their weight. Right. It's it's important I think to explain to them you know the long term complications and and really I like I like opportunities where you can say, hey, if you lose this much weight, you know we can bring your a1c down by this or you can bring your blood pressure down by this um and those those you can see those values in various guidelines because that gives someone an actual clear goal like goal and yeah. i think that's super important because it just tells someone arbitrarily eh work out, exercise you're like yeah no kidding we all know that but like it's like saying just drink water you'd say well what if i want lemonade yeah <laughs> is there no options for lemonade Lemonade's mostly water right it's yeah crystal and light they, well there you, there you go how many times have you heard me say that this one
1: i didn't i lost track yeah after the first one thousand
0: a day. monster well, yeah, that's what I tell That the was can.
1: there a couple of times. That was there
0: a couple of times because they asked me if the, I, my patients would be like, Do you drink sugar free? And I'll be like, "Bink, <laughs> I Show them the can
2: that's usually hidden behind my desk or something. Show them the can. When I was in high school, that usually meant uh, swirly.
0: <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, no, I didn't show any patients that. <laughs> but um, all right, so talking about like, you know, obviously Cole went through the, the BMI um, kind of breakdown and whatnot, but thinking about, you know, obviously, the weight loss goals of of a patient who's dealing with you know um, a BMI over twenty five really um, is depends on the situation, depends on the the disease state. But for example, like metabolic syndrome, you know, or, or pre diabetes you know, the goal for them would be to lose 10% of their baseline um, to, and the result of that would be hopefully to prevent or at least prolong the, the, they switching from pre-diabetes into diabetes. Um, if it's, you know, talking about dyslipidemia, you know, they want you to lose between five up to um, 15% or maybe even more in some cases, depending on the baseline. And, you know, that can help lower triglycerides. It can help raise your HDL. It can lower um, your non-HDL, specifically your LDL, um, hypertension, obviously five to 15% or so can help lower systolic and diastolic. Um, It can also reduce the number of medications that people end up needing to be on. Um, you know, there's recommendations, everything from like non-alcoholic fatty liver disease to PCOS. Um, It can affect hypogonadism in males. It can affect infertility in females. Um, You know, with sleep apnea, there's so many different things that can be affected. Osteoarthritis, even like incontinence and um, GERD and things like that. And so it's always important to, based on their disease state, or if they have multiple comorbidities, they could basically all be improved with some weight loss and then show them like realistic goals. If, you know, look at their baseline weight and then like we were saying like give them okay 10% is you have to lose this much and you can like reduce the risk of all these things and give them like actual like goals to go after instead of this arbitrary like you just need to lose weight
2: right and 10% is uh, is a fantastic uh, goal to where they would see kind of the most uh, evidence based benefit though in 2013 the guidelines from the American College of Cardiology American Heart Association and the Obesity Society said that you still can have clinically meaningful health improvements with a weight loss of about 2 to 5% so that can be encouraging to them that hey we're shooting for this 10% goal but on the way you can still see benefit it's not like if you get to 8% and then then are having trouble from there that you're not getting any benefit.
0: Yeah. So, you know, as far as patients feeling hungry, the the feeling of hunger, obviously there's multiple um, hormones and neuropeptides and whatnot um, and and receptors and whatnot that are basically involved with, you know, the patient feeling they need to increase their um, food intake or decrease it. So, um, just to kind of touch on a couple of these things, you know, the, there's several different, um, peptides and whatnot that are responsible for, um, you know, naturally feeling the need to, um, decrease food intake. So things like, um, leptin, um, insulin can decrease the, uh, the feelings of hunger and, um, GLP one, obviously we know, um, can have that effect. Um, and then there's even things like, um, like our cocaine and um, amphetamine-regulated transcript, or C-A-R-T. That's something which, you know, if you have a patient who's on stimulants for, like, ADHD, like amphetamines or whatnot, um, oftentimes it kind of kills their appetite um, because it's actually working on um, on that C-A-R-T in the hypothalamus. Um, Then if you look at other areas, um, you know, there's neurotransmitter activity, whether it's norepinephrine. Serotonin is a big one. And if you, for example, increase the activity of um, the serotonin activity at 5-HT1A, which is a receptor that when we're dealing with like depression and things like that, um, we want um, you know activity at that site to help with their depression symptoms, but... When you are activating that, you, make sure you are also increasing their appetite, which then can lead, obviously, to weight gain. And we see that sometimes with um, some of our SSRIs and SNRIs in some cases. And then, you know, the, on the opposite side of that, serotonin binding to 5-HT1B or, or 2C, um, when that happens naturally, you're kind of decreasing, um, you know, the, the need for food intake But then when you throw in drugs like mirtazapine, for example, which blocks um, serotonin from binding to 5-HT2C, then patients tend to have a super big jump up in their appetite. So that's why like with mirtazapine, you start getting people that are um, just feeling way more hungry than they normally would. Um, And there's – I mean there's activity that can deal with – increase food intake with mu, uh, opioids at the mu receptor. Uh, there's um, ghrelin is another um, hormone that can be uh, important when it comes to appetite. That one is kind of like increasing the need for food intake, whereas leptin is decreasing the food intake. So if you have, you know, dysregulation of either of those, it can affect it. So there's a lot of different targets, if you will, um, at play. And you've heard us pretty much only talk about GLP one in our podcast episodes, because that's the one we always focus on for diabetes, but there's obviously lots and lots of different, um, targets that we can kind of go after. Yep. All right. So you want to kind of jump into some of the the meds right off the bat?
2: Yeah. And, um, disclaimer up front about over the counter medications. Um, the FDA, issued a consumer alert about over-the-counter medications of weight loss pills because a lot of times there's like undeclared active ingredients in there that um, are kind of like stimulants and can be very dangerous and are actually illegal it's not just uh, it's not just like a dietary supplement that um, you know they're like ah we don't have enough research on this but it's okay like if they came across some of these supplements and looked into them and found some of these uh, products they would remove them from the market if they could because uh, they can not be dangerous so it, you'll see a lot of patients trying them and uh definitely uh not recommended yeah that being said we have a few other options that are prescription um some of the stimulant versions are not ideal but go ahead what were you gonna say
0: i was gonna say kaylin do you have a specific drug you want to start with
1: i mean i like to start right at the beginning of time
0: <laughs> wow <laughs> Okay, so we got a long, a lot of time to cover here. Okay, so let's let's fast forward a little bit to the invention of a first drug that deals with this. Which one do you want to start with?
1: Diethylpropion.
0: Okay. Cole, what do you think? Is that a good option?
2: Sure. All right. Let's go with it. So um, it has a brand name that I don't, don't really know that I've heard before, but called Tenuate. Tenuate, yeah. Um, but it is a stimulant, as is uh, many of the earlier ones and some of the more recent ones, but... Um, uh, it's a sympathomimetic and it increases uh, dopamine, norepinephrine. Um, it indirectly increases leptin, which, like Mike had talked about, is going to um, increase satiety or decrease your appetite. Also decreases energy expenditure um, and and uh, improves satiety, but it's as all of these are is more of a uh, adjunct to diet and exercise, of course. And the recommendations are generally if you don't see a five percent weight loss uh, with these drugs, and they're a stimulant. Probably discontinue um, because uh, it's there. There can obviously be harmful long term, and we want to make sure they're actually getting benefit. Uh, but if it, it's supposed to jumpstart diet and exercise, you can hopefully expect about a five to eight pound weight loss with this by itself, um, regardless of that. Um, There are some situations where it can't be used, um, which all of the stimulants would fall under this as well. But uh, pulmonary hypertension, um, advanced arteriosclerosis, hyperthyroidism, glaucoma, um, severe hypertension, and arrhythmia. So pretty much anything you would think of a stimulant being um, uh, cautioned for. Uh, But yeah, you want to take it at least an hour before meals. And um, uh, with all the stimulants, uh, short-term therapy, uh, up to about 12 weeks, they can develop a tolerance to it. Um, so that's, that's a good thing to note as well.
0: Yeah. And I think, uh, um, Cole, you were saying the, the, obviously the, because it's a stimulant, um, you know, it can kind of give that jump start. but if you're, especially on patients who are on higher doses, if they abruptly discontinue that medication, they're probably going to get some, Pretty extreme rebound fatigue um, and possibly even depression because you're getting your body gets used to that dopamine you know surge if you will um, and they feel great usually at first when they're taking um, any of the and we, did we mention the other two besides the diet um, nope the just that one. so we, we also have phentermine and then um, fendimetrazine. um those are the three um, you know at stimulant type agents and so you know we have to worry about the rebound effects of that and that's why one we want to use reasonable doses for short periods of time if possible but if we have somebody on here there who's on these meds for you know longer period of time and we want to stop them but we, it's important to kind of titrate them off um, or if you have a patient who's just using them randomly um, especially if they have any like you know history of depression or things like that um, they probably either need to schedule it or pick an alternative so that they're not getting like big swings in their dopamine concentrations
2: and these are all old drugs the diethylpropion and phetometrirazine are the oldest I guess fentamine. Is relatively newer compared to the other two, um, but in general, they're all—they're none of them are like brand new and side effect free or anything like that. Yeah. All right,
0: Caitlin, what's next?
1: Orlistat.
0: What's Orlistat?
1: It is a—it blocks fat from being absorbed into your body.
0: <laughs> yeah. So the good thing about Orlistat is um, I don't really have any good thing to say. <laughs> now, the, the side effects are usually Pretty dramatic. Let's, yeah, let's I was trying to get that dramatic. Clause. Just go
1: ahead and say what the side effects are. Oh, my gosh.
0: So here we go. <laughs> Cole, you ready for it? I am right. The running. last time we did this, we had a whole episode where me and Cole just cracked up laughing because like 16 year old kids.
1: I'm gonna be dead serious.
0: Okay, so um adverse effects because like Caitlin said, it, it doesn't allow the body to absorb, you know, fat from the diet. And so um if the patient hopefully sticks to a low fat diet and, you know, eats properly, then great. The problem is if they don't and they eat like you know maybe they've normally eaten or eaten you know high fat meals or whatever um it can lead to things you know as simple as like soft stools or diarrhea or it can actually get to the point where you're having like fecal incontinence and um anal leakage and things like that and then in some rare cases it can even cause like liver damage and things um that's pretty rare uh, but usually it's just the gi not even just gi upsets you know GI uh, chaos, let's say. <laughs> GI, that's G-I a, chaos. That's a term I just made
2: up. To toss that in your uh, next note. Uh, oh, that should. This, yeah, that's this, a good idea. This patient isn't just having GI upset; he's having GI chaos, dude. Say I, think it to we your just,
0: I think we just made something. That's awesome. I'm putting that on a T-shirt for core console. but um, you know, the, it's they have a version that's available over the counter um, called the uh, Ally Pill, um, but Orlistat is definitely something that's been around for a little bit, um, but it's it just the side effect profile is what would steer me away from using it unless you have a patient who is super super motivated um or i i mean i guess if somebody needs like that i guess negative reinforcement kind of thing where (laughs) if they make a bad decision there's like horrible consequences i mean uh, to me well you know it's kind of the
2: same after a patient which we are not going to get into bariatric surgery today i think we did more in a previous episode Mm -hmm. Um, but similarly if they had certain bariatric surgeries and then they eat in a way, they're not supposed to, they're gonna yeah. have like terrible reflux and stomach issues yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So,
0: um, you know, as far as monitoring parameters, if you do have somebody on, on uh, Orlistat, because of, you know, the potential for uh, this lack of fat absorption and other um, potential um, abnormalities because the diet's just not affecting the body as much as it would because of lack of absorption, um, we do want to try to monitor things like obviously calorie and fat intake as well as, you know, glucose, um, you know, especially in our diabetic patients, thyroid function if a patient has any kind of thyroid disease, um, keeping a little bit of an eye on the liver function. Um, just to make sure that they don't have that rare case of, you know, uh, hepatic damage. Uh, and then as far as like supplementation, because sometimes it can limit the absorption of some of our fat-soluble vitamins. Um, so we may need to, uh, you know, put them on a multivitamin as well, um, like during therapy, um, to prevent that vitamin deficiency in, in some cases.
2: Yep. So another interesting one, uh, which is only was about 10 years old, is Belvique um lorcaserin i don't know but it acts on serotonin 2c receptors like mike was talking about to promote satiety and decrease appetite um the problem with this one (laughs) is the weird part the weird part is that it can cause cancer turns out it's a pretty significant risk so in 2020 the FDA actually requested that it be withdrawn from the market because of its potential cancer risk um, and I recall when that happened because I was then unable to order it for a couple patients who had been on it. So I, I don't know what it means when they say the FDA requested it be withdrawn from the market. Like does that mean that they can people can still get it? I don't know. All I know is that we were not able to and these patients were stopped on it.
0: My I, I want to say, and this is just this is me basically making up an answer. I, I feel <laughs> like I feel like if they're by doing that that's like giving the, company a chance to save face and like withdraw their own product. Right. To, right. So right. like give them that opportunity. to like, do the right thing. Right. Um I know that's going to cost you guys a lot of money, but right it's your chance to say because i feel like if they were like no nah, we're good we'll just we'll just monitor then take and take it then a the forward. fda would and probably maybe
2: there's more i'm sure it's a procedural thing there might yeah. be more procedures for them to go through before they can remove it themselves but maybe it was they didn't get to that point and they were like y'all just take it off yeah you know drug company take it off so we don't have to go through all this
0: yeah and but, i mean that would definitely i feel like in the drug company's best interest for longevity yeah you know, they probably would be smart to yeah. remove that
1: and what kind of cancer does it cause though
2: did they actually specify, it, like, it, didn't. Um, it said because of potential cancer risk? But I'm sure there is something. Yeah, specific.
1: there must be some component in there.
0: Um, it's further it's information possible. can be found at the FDA.gov slash drug slash drug safety. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Go check it out. Yeah. If you go to LexiComp, there's a whole bit about it and a link to the actual statement. So, yeah. Um, anyways, Bill Veek, it's out of here. Yep. We had it. It's all we, you need to had, know. It had its time. That's all you need to know. What about QSemia? Yeah. So qsimia, uh, we already talked about fentramine, and so we know it's a stimulant and it can help with some dopamine activity and blah blah blah. Now, what happens if you take fentermine and compare it, or, or add it, I should say, not even comparing it, we're just adding it as a combo to topiramate, specifically topiramate extended release, um, which originally was an anticonvulsant. Um, you know, more likely now we use it. You'll especially in primary care setting, you'll see it for things like migraine prophylaxis. You'll see it for um, things like is a almost like a mood stabilizer. Uh, you know, topiramate is has a lot of side effects associated with it. It's in really specifically the the cognitive impairment that it can um, potentially cause, and uh, in quite a lot of patients actually. Um, but you know, I always think about that drug in particular because if it's something that if a patient does have um, you know certain types of epilepsy epileptic seizures, they can basically be on um, this medication if they have that. Plus, they have you know if they're dealing with obesity or trying to lose weight because that is one of the effects of it. Versus some of the other older um, anticonvulsions like dival X or something that usually promotes weight gain. Mm -hmm. Topiramate kind of stands out because it it does decrease weight. And so um, when they put those two together, you're kind of coming at the um, problem from two different, two different angles. Hi, Batman. <coughs> I'm
2: going to uh, take it over from Mike because he. Oh, this is the second time tonight that he's had a, a bit of a frog in his throat, but uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll let him. We'll let him drink some Monster and figure that out. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so so QCM, like you said, it's very interesting. One um, significant piece, especially for our pharmacy folks and for the prescribers to be aware of, is it has a REMS program um, yeah, because uh, of Topamax's teratogenic um, potential which is interesting because regular I should say to because that's interesting because like regular Topamax doesn't have a Rims program. I literally
0: said the same thing to my class today. Yeah, I was like, that—that's weird. Make so sense.
2: I don't know the deal. Maybe it's—I <clears throat> don't know. I—I don't want i don't want, to, I don't want to, uh, pontificate. to pontificate, on that. But it, it does have a Rims program. Um, uh, Topiramate can definitely decrease the efficacy of birth control. An important counseling point: um, monitor for like suicidal ideation and that sort of thing with with uh, the the CNS effects. But um, otherwise, um, uh, it Topamax, which it, it blocks GABA. Um, and that's kind of its effect on the, um, uh, the epilepsy, right? So with epilepsy, a lot of drugs have one of three mechanisms of action. They're going to um, uh, potentiate GABA. They're going to um, block uh, uh, sodium channels or potassium channels. So it's kind of like the three things that it does. So Topamax happens to act on GABA and then fentramine we've already talked about. So combining the two, uh, you can get a little bit of weight loss.
0: Absolutely. And, um, they do say, uh, you know, with, within that first, um, 12 week period, um, because there is multiple doses you can kind of titrate up, but if you do not see um, a 3% weight loss, at least um, within that first 12 weeks, they either want you to discontinue the medication and try something else or potentially increase the dose um, and go from there. But, um, you know, we also want to monitor, because it's got the fentramine in it, we're still going to monitor the cardiovascular um, issues like the heart rate and all that stuff as well, and sleep disorders, and if a patient has insomnia, we probably don't want to give them a stimulant. But, um, Cusimia. Fun to say, not as much fun to take.
2: Didn't know how it was pronounced for a long time. Didn't, yeah? What did you just call it? Qu- I think I called it Quizmia. Quizmia. Quizna.
0: It's like Quiz, you just, yeah, it's Quiznos. Remember, remember when they used to exist? <laughs> um, so the other option is um, so medication called Contrave. Um, so when we're thinking about our uh, like antidepressants and whatnot, one of the medications kind of stands out as far as one that could potentially um, cause some weight loss. And so with, you know, depression uh, medications, a lot of them obviously promote weight gain. So this is a good opportunity with bupropion if you have a patient that needs to have some weight loss along with their medication. So bupropion has that effect where it can um, basically cause that decrease in appetite and, uh, you know, reduce the, the patient's food intake throughout the day. Uh, the problem is is there's like this negative like feedback loop that can kind of happen where your body sort of like readjusts to that um, loss of appetite or that increase in satiety. And uh, what we do to kind of combat that negative feedback is give naltrexone along with it. So it's Bupropion and naltrexone is a combo pill um, known as Contrave. And uh, you know, it's one of those things that that's kind of the, uh, you know, the, the main mechanism is just letting Bupropion do its thing. And so, I kind of think of this as a maybe a decent option if a patient has like underlying depression, you know, and we're using a drug like um, bupropion anyway, then maybe we can use this um, to maybe combat that and increase that weight loss, maybe a little bit more. Um, I'd have to look. I don't know that they've actually looked at this bupropion by itself versus bupropion and naltrexone. Did you see anything about that goal?
2: No. So that would be the one. Well, I mean, I don't know that they've looked at it, but I, I mean, I just know from a depression standpoint that bupropion can cause weight loss. I don't think it's significant. So you Well, know, I'm
0: wondering like how much of that impact that naltrexone.
2: truly I feel like I mean they, if if the studies are showing a nine to fourteen pound weight loss, I don't believe I mean I'm sure there's studies looking at it, but yeah. I don't believe bupropion itself is going to have a ten pound weight loss by itself. You'd think we would have looked at that, but you know you would've would've think so. missed opportunity. Yeah. Somebody email us. Yeah. I have a fun fact. Okay.
1: They they named the trials after you.
2: Me? Yeah. All right, it's Core Arena, Core, Core 2, and Core B Mod. See? And then I didn't even know
0: the details of the trial, so I let them down. And then you, there um, goes um, a sponsorship opportunity, too.
2: <laughs> and then we could have Core Consult.
0: Con- Sponsored by contract.
2: <laughs> B Mod. I guess that's supposed to be body modification? Oh, Maybe. B Mod. That's mm. cool. I don't know.
1: You should know this.
0: You I should. Yeah. Keep keep in mind that it's still bupropion, so it can decrease the seizure threshold. So if a patient has a history of epileptic seizures and whatnot, we probably need to use some caution there. Um, as well as you know, there are cases where bupropion can cause um, or worsen in, an insomnia because of the dopamine activity. And so if you have a patient that's dealing with insomnia uh, as well, that can also be something to kind of consider. As well as it's it's still an antidepressant at its core, so you know the the risk of suicidal ideation and neuropsychiatric reactions type of thing can still be it's still rare just like anything else but it's something that is still monitoring just looking for changes in in mood or um you know demeanor
2: yeah and that's contrary and that brings us to the two options that we've talked about before probably multiple times um but what i consider good options from a safety perspective and truthfully from a weight loss perspective um but the two glp1 uh, agonists we uh, we have for for weight loss so there's sexinda which is loraclutide which will recognize as the generic for victosa and then we I guess we go v we which is semaglutide, uh, simglutide which you'll recognize as the generic for ozempic um so my referenced GLP-1 before, but uh, there it's ultimately going to increase satiety and decrease gastric emptying. Its effect on satiety uh, has to do with GLP-1-dependent secretion of oxintomodulin, which is derived from proglucagon. glucagon um, Maybe more info than you need, but you've got it now, so it's good. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's the there was the LEADER trial, which was kind of more on the Fictosa type of dosing, but of course, Saxinda, uh, the dosing is higher than the 1.8 um, uh, milligrams per day that you get with with Victoza, but it's approved. The the um, Saxenda is approved in children 12 years and older, so um, not just adults. Um, weight greater than 60 kilograms and a BMI greater than um, greater than 30 for adults. Um, but uh, smaller meals generally is recommended uh, with the Saxenda to prevent GI upset, and that's because of the decreased gastric emptying. Um, and it has a program. A, uh, risk, a REMS program for screening um, uh, patients with a family history of uh, thyroid cancers uh, as well as uh, pancreatitis. But it does require a dose titration similar to um, Victoza.
0: And that's when we're going up to 3 milligrams instead yeah. of the 1.8 like with diabetes. And that's uh, a REMS program? Is it I is like it that. REMS or is it actually uh, just a blood, like a box warning? I thought it was just a box warning. I thought it was too. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's the... Oh, okay.
1: I feel like you have to screen them for them before you can start.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, you're supposed to ask them about that. Right, but a RIMS is a whole 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 thing. Yeah, I guess sometimes. Sometimes it's a whole program, but also it can be – because there's some REMS program. Okay, maybe like,
2: it's maybe if it's not as significant, they can still call it a REMS, but it's not like the provider has to register and no, uh, no, no. that sort of thing.
0: Somebody that knows the answer to this is going these morons. <laughs> Who gives them microphones? Well, I'm
2: pretty a hundred percent positive that it does not have the REMS program. That like. Uh, like I, pledge. I pledge. It's right, not right, right. there's not something like I pledge, but maybe it's yeah. still a risk evaluation and mitigation strategy to screen for these things. Yeah. And maybe that's the same thing with the Topamax. And if
0: there is a program like I pledge for Victoza, whoops, cuz I have not been <laughs> using that. No, there's
2: definitely not. I am 100% <laughs> that's positive. That's good news. Um, that would have been a wee
0: awkward combo.
2: But the WeGo V, so it's newer, and uh, it's it's significantly newer, actually. It came out just earlier this year. Um, you can expect significant weight loss mm-hmm. with this. It's pretty fantastic, up to 34 pounds, um, and, and this is similar to why a lot of people like um, – Ozempic in general is just because it has really good weight loss, Um, but with or without food you can take it. But still, kind of the small meals thing, Um, and and, you know GI side effects. You want to titrate it, Uh, but it's once weekly dosing. Great weight loss. I think
0: it's good. And it's one of those things too. And this is another example. We're we're using the one milligram in diabetes patients, but this is all the way up to two point four milligrams. So we're using that higher dose. And this is also this is approved in patients who. Are overweight. It doesn't, they don't have to have diabetes. Like, yeah. i sure you guys are aware of that, but just to clear it up. So, because if you think about, you know, the risks with, or one of the benefits I should say, um, and lack of risks with GLP-1 is especially used as like monotherapy is we don't have to worry as much about the hypoglycemic risk because they're really only kind of activating their, their, you know, insulin secretion or their glucagon suppression when the carbohydrate intake is happening where your sugar starts to go up. Um, and so the, you know, the Person does not have diabetes or their, their insulin is regulating everything properly, then they kind of are not really affecting. The insulin or glucagon secretion, um, to you know a very high extent, is really just working on that gastric emptying or the you know the increasing satiety. Um, so you're getting those those pieces without the, the the blood glucose lowering effects. So these are in patients who are just obese; they don't have to have diabetes or comorbidity. But the other thing was, remember we had, a couple of the disease states we had talked about as far as seeing a clinical benefit, they wanted um, a fifth up to fifteen percent weight loss. So in that step one trial, where Cole was talking about, these are like thirty seven pounds. Um, decreased over 50 percent of the patients in that first study had um, at least a 15 percent, if not more reduction in their body weight from their baseline wow by this uh, by week 68 so you know a little over a year and i mean over 15 percent of their body weight from baseline it's pretty pretty awesome and it's over 50 yeah. percent of the
2: patients once so a, for a once a week injection this is uh
0: <clears throat> this is definitely the the drug of i would say of choice if we if you know we can get covered and all that um uh, uh, semaglutide is probably king right now as far as weight loss medication i don't think we've ever other than like actually surgeries and things like that really don't see
2: Mm-mm. you know things like that yeah
0: um and then um we do have one other drug that I was going to talk about, um, but there is also... Um, actually, do you have anything else, Cole? I'm going to pull this up while... Nope. If you're finishing Whoa. up.
2: Uh, no, that's no. all I got. Sorry. All right, no, you're
0: good.
1: See, I have a question, though. Yeah, sure. Ahead. So you said earlier that like weight loss isn't necessarily a cosmetic thing, but isn't that how insurance companies see these medications and that's why they don't cover it?
0: I, I think it's, it's a complex thing. I think from a purely the drug you know, company standpoint, I think that they're more so just like, oh, well, they could just exercise and eat better and that's free for us. Um, however, that's obviously a much easier said than done. Type they still thing.
2: have criteria yeah. about, um, you know, what what is your BMI? What have you tried before? Has there been documentation of adequate trial of um, lifestyle therapies? What's your comorbid risk? And they will cover these um, in situations. It's just... They're you know reluctant too, but I definitely prior seen, authorizations. Yeah, I've seen Sex Undercovered. I'm you know I'm, I'm yeah. out of the game with Wigovi, but i uh, have definitely seen Sex Undercovered before. Yeah, um,
0: there's the uh, I need to find the name of this drug. Um, there's the uh, it's gonna drive me crazy. There's that there's the one. Sivry. It's, no 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 that one we're gonna we're gonna talk about too. But there's the the capsule that you can take that is basically designed mm. to. Um, go into the the stomach and then release these kind of like gel
2: plenty, um,
0: plenty thank you good job Kaylin. you know what you pass rotation well done wow. plenty thank you and like I literally had this on my other comp- but that's the one that's recording this instead mm. of uh, in front of me now so I was like where'd my sheets go <laughs> um, but it's basically you know this that gets that releases these like um, these little gel pellets if you will that basically absorb water and fill up space in the stomach and and huh. um, cause weight loss because weight loss, they decrease appetite because you're basically just taking up space in the stomach oh, which you're saying yeah um, I've never actually seen um, that medication neither used I. but it is available it's been around I want to say almost two years now
2: it's quite an idea
0: yeah it sounds like it, you're asking for some kind of a bowel obstruction but hey <laughs> yeah.
2: um, it is out there so I wonder no what deal. the vomit would look like just
0: a lot of gel pellets. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, you know That'd what be I mean? cool. Maybe doesn't. <laughs> I don't want it, but maybe. <laughs> but it is out there. So, um. All right. What drug were you were you talking about, Kaylin?
1: Inzivri.
0: What is Inzivri?
1: It's a special one because it targets POMC. Can you say that? Because it's really hard to say.
0: Pro-opio melanocortin.
1: <laughs> say it five times fast.
0: Pro-opio melanocortin. Oh, he's gonna do it. I can't because this, this is the thing. So GLP-1s actually. That, those that POMC um the POMC neurons, when you increase the firing of those neurons, you decrease appetite, which is one of the ways that GLP ones also can decrease um you know, or the increase, I should say, satiety. So I've said that so many times because I talk about GLP ones all the time. That's the only reason I can and yeah. I you know Experiment. if you if you say it right and you don't mess up the words, as Joe Rogan would say, people think you're smarter than you really are.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah,
0: yeah there said- you go. That's what you know. So okay, so PMC receptors are one. Um, what else?
1: We've got. PCSK1. One. one.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Throws you off a little bit. Turns out there you, was eight more <laughs> other than just nine.
0: PCSK9. Nine. Who knew? <laughs> who knew? So for those of you who this is the first one, and it affects uh, appetite, um, also the uh, leptin receptor. Mm-hmm. So if a patient has a deficiency in either any of those, whether it's the POMC, the PCSK1, or the uh, leptin receptor, um, and you have to confirm that obviously with genetic testing, um, then the this drug can basically um, help the body respond to those natural hormones and and peptides again. And so it's something that uh, it's a sub-Q injection, um, but you do have to have that confirmatory genetic testing before you know, being a candidate for this medication. I will say, though, that this might be a good option. If somebody is does have that condition, it, it would be a easier sell to the insurance company because they can't help their genetic predisposition in that case. Um, some warnings to kind of keep uh, in mind, it can potentially affect... Um, Mood and things like that. And so there are uh, is a warning on there to kind of watch for worsening signs of depression or in very rare cases like suicidal ideation as well. Um, and then it can also um, cause sexual dysfunction, specifically like disturbances and sexual arousal and also increased skin hyperpigmentation. So that's something to, to kind of keep in mind. Um, the label and, um, package insert basically says that if the patient does not have a 5% uh, weight loss from baseline by the 12 to 16 week, um, mark, then we, they want to discontinue therapy because the patient's not responding well to it. So, um, you know, it's a it's relatively new. I want to say it was like maybe December 2019 or so. And then that's in the thick of COVID. So it probably hasn't hit the, you know, it didn't hit the market until months later. But um, yeah, late 2019 or 2020, um, this is another option that maybe you, you haven't seen as much of, but it's another good one.
1: And there's also another fun fact.
0: Uh, hit me with it.
1: Approved in use in children six years and older. Yes, it's the youngest huh. indication.
0: And, and, that's, and, and which makes sense too, because it's obviously a genetic, you know, component to it. Um uh, But that's why the genetic testing is is important. Now, I mean, the thing is, I want I gotta look and see how much the genetic testing actually is, because that's that's kind of interesting. I wonder how prevalent those deficiencies in those receptors actually are.
2: I mean, I know a, a lot of people have to get genetic testing for, for various things, at least with the patients that I work at. Yeah. And you know, it's, if it's indicated, I think it can just be covered and it's, it's awesome. Things, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. For sure. Um, anything else with this? That's all I got, man. Kaylin, what'd you think? How was it? Oh, okay. Right I'm on. just kidding. <laughs> B, B plus.
1: Yeah. B plus.
0: <laughs> all right. I'll take it. I like B. <laughs> B's are fun. um, so, yeah, thank you guys for listening. I hope that was somewhat helpful. Um, but uh, you know, make sure you send us your comments or questions or anything like that um, through our emails if you want, or you can reach us on any of the uh, social media platforms. Um, if you want to reach out to us directly over text message, um, send a text to the uh, to area code 415 943 6116. Also, make sure you check out our Patreon. Um, if you like more of like structured lectures with PowerPoint slides, and all that you know old school classroom type stuff uh, in our in our podcast where we go off off script a lot of times um, drive you crazy then check out patreon it's at all the more traditional lecture style things on there and um, a lot of different disease states and all kinds of things are covered you can download all the PowerPoint slides so you could literally spend the $3 to get access to it download thousands of PowerPoint slides and then delete the account and just take all of our stuff for three bucks. That's a deal. (laughs) That's what I would, that's, you know, I encourage it. That's gangster. So, um, make sure you guys reach out with any questions or concerns. Like I said, and also we are definitely interested in hearing what you guys want to, you know, topics you want us to cover. So if you have any ideas or things you really want to hear about, definitely let us know. Or if you think you'd be a good, uh, uh, you know, person to be on our show or a guest, we would love to talk to you as well. um, I did get a funny email. It just said from some random person that just said, "Hey, how do you get on the show?" I said, "Oh, I just put you show on." Show up? Yeah, I just you uh, just say granted, it, maybe. It's just a funny email. No other explanation. No but goodbye. Not It's funny. So, um, I'll email you back soon. My, maybe, I, maybe. <laughs> but uh, um, and also too, we're trying to get caught up on emails. I know we've been. Um, it's slow with responding, but, uh, we will do our best. I promise we're starting to get more and more, I feel like, and it's like staying up late answering emails. So I promise we have, we're not just trying to ignore you, but thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast as always. Thank you for listening. Um, we're going to keep on working on trying to make it better going into 2022 and, um, you know, we'll see, stick with us and see how it goes. (laughs) Thanks so much guys. Have a great night.